Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? On deck, coming up, we got uh, JP, Coach JP Pearson. Um, and what I learned a lot about the talking to JP is that you athletes that want to transfer, the grass ain't always greener on, on the other side. And um, something else that he said that was very interesting is as coaches, when you're watching the game and you're developing players, about liking the mistakes, giving them a chance to make mistakes, and then teaching from that level. All right, some great things in this interview. So uh, let's get into it. How you doing, big guy? Good. That's what's up. That's what's up. Like, I ain't going to take up too much of your time, man. I just appreciate you coming on. You know, what our day foundation, what we do is try to be that that message board, that sound board, you know, to the community as far as, you know, parents, uh, student athletes, just giving them information. And, uh, and um, well, one thing we do is, is, is reaching out to mostly coaches in the, in the state and former players in the state. And um reason why I chose, you know, want to talk to you is because, you know, being in the family of the College of Charleston and doing what you do, exceptional business job in the uh, in the coaching industry. So um, I just wanted to I appreciate that. You already know. So um, so we get right into it. Um, this is a triple threat. Welcome to Triple Threat Podcast with your male president. Was good news and good vibes all the time, baby. So Coach uh, Coach Pearson, we're gonna get right into it. Um, take us back to the time where you know. Uh, I don't know if you're a South Carolina native or not, but take it back to the high school times and, you know, elementary, you know, middle, when you started you started playing with this thing and, and start getting a love for it. Take us back to those times. Well, I can remember, uh, shucks, man, I, I was living in Maryland, and I was a big baseball guy, played hmm. first base. Hmm. And, uh, played in my first league, and I can remember plays that I made back then that weren't very good. And uh, I remember uh, my dad challenging me. My dad was, you know, told me uh, I might be a little bit better at baseball. But for some reason, after that first season, basketball just hooked me. It just had me. Hmm. And uh, and I just went to work every every chance I got. Outdoor, playgrounds, young age. Ended up moving to, uh, to South Carolina in my eighth grade year. Hmm. And... Uh, was leaving and actually a very good middle school uh, middle school team that I was a part of and uh, came to South Carolina and I was ahead of most of the guys then, but I just, I just wanted a piece of that high school and I was in the middle school, kept pushing, kept pushing, uh, was able to make the varsity as a soft, got on the varsity as a sophomore, played JV one year and 
you know, I wanted, I wanted to play college ball. Right. Right. And, uh, and that bug was just on me. I, we would literally pack up my car when I, when I was able to drive and we would sneak off to Columbia and go to the Eau Claire high school and, Wow. And some of the surrounding parts with five guys in a little Toyota Corolla. Wow. It, was, it was hilarious, but something just hit me after that first season. And I knew I wasn't very good. And my dad challenged me on it and then even said, you know, I'm, you know, you're probably a little better at baseball. <laughs> and I still remember that statement. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't t- telling me to stop. Right. He was just making his evaluation. For sure. But I wanted basketball, so it just made me. Uh, it just made me work as extremely hard, find out as much as I could about the college game. I was able to get a basketball scholarship um, to Tennessee State my first year, uh, uh. and uh, and I traveled up the road to Tennessee State, and uh, actually had a pretty good had a pretty good year. It was just. Uh, it was just very a very confusing year for a freshman to go into a situation. The head coach retired. I want to say I think it was either four or five games into the season. A legendary head coach, Ed Martin. Um, but then Ed Myers was the assistant coach, mm-hmm. who in in my brain is legendary. He didn't really get his shot, but he he was on. He was the head assistant for the Georgetown Hoyas uh, the year Patrick Ewing and those guys uh, won the national championship. And uh, he ended up going to Tennessee State as an assistant, took over as the head when our head coach uh, resigned. And uh, and I had a great year. I I had fun. I mean, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of numbers, but I had fun. I was where I wanted to be. The coach, I loved Coach Myers. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I was freshman with a guy people might know uh, by the name of Anthony Mason. Oh, man. Late, the late Anthony Mason. Oh, man, yeah. Um, yeah. We, we were freshmen together. That's where we met. And uh, and he ended up saying I ended up transferring when Coach Myers didn't get the job. I was a little bit confused. And then I uh, settled at the College of Charleston. Let me press pause right there right quick. And I talk about the, the bag of rice. And, and that's so important with athletes right now. A $6 bag of rice is not going to sell at Piggly Wiggly. A $2 bag of rice is not going to be even offered at Whole Foods. So talk about the athlete. You know, when we make a decision to go to school, sometimes we don't always make decisions of the school. Do this school is my style of play? Is this coach going to be in? And under contract, this coach, this coach been in it five years with a good winning record. He's probably gonna be here through my tenure. If he's been there, you know, a long time with a, not a winning record, he's not gonna be there through my tenure. So, was those some of the things you were considering making a decision, and why did you consider Tennessee State? Because those are some, some situations that athletes make that cause them to transfer. Right. Um, transferring is is a very tough decision. It's uh, it's important, and you you really don't want to get in the habit of just changing spots, right? Because you didn't get to play or that kind of thing. Um, I made the decision to go to Tennessee State. Uh, number one, you know, number one, it was Division One. But the second thing is, I loved the coaching staff 
And I think that's most of the reason why kids choose where they go. The school has to be, you know, the school has to be what it is. Some a place, a vessel for you to meet people and network and a place that you're going to want to be. But when athletes choose schools, I completely understand they're also choosing a person. For sure. A person that they're wanting to be around. Well, what happened with me is when I was in high school, I was heavily recruited by the College of Charleston as well. There's a story behind that too. Um, I actually basically took that offer and then decided to go to Tennessee State. Hmm. But I knew both coaching staffs. Well, the coaching staff that I knew at Tennessee State was gone now. Gotcha. And, and, and everything was just wide open. I was very familiar with the coaching staff at the College of Charleston. That's when I decided to make my uh, my decision to make a move. But I will say, um, if, if you know, for kids out there, people that might be listening, if you're a freshman and you didn't receive the playing time that you felt like you should have gotten, that's incentive to jump that hurdle mm -hmm. and work hard at mm -hmm. your, at your spot. Make that your own spot. That, mm -hmm. As soon as you decide, well, the playtime isn't good here, I think it might be better there. You got to realize that there's a guy or two guys or three guys that are already there mm -hmm. that really don't feel like letting you come in there and take their, their job. Correct. It's it's very tough to do to make a decision on playing time and just change spots all over the place. A lot of times, you know, the grass just isn't greener on that other side. Depend, you, depending on your skill level, they don't always work out for you, you know what I mean, right. when, you, when you do that. And, right. then, and then you don't learn any lessons about, you know, staying, staying put and working hard. Because you go and you leave to another place, you're in a worse situation than you were before because, like you said, two people have already, already been there. They know the system. They're more familiar with the gym, the community. You're fighting uphill battle, you know? Right. So you got to really, really think twice about making a decision like that unless you know for sure it's the right decision to make. Absolutely. And, and there's something about overcoming the obstacles that are in your way. You, you, you end up feeling like gold. I, I, sure. I did not want to leave Tennessee State. For sure. Until the person that took over the job of the coach that resigned did not get the job. Gotcha. And, uh, and that was actually during a, a very different time where, you know, new coaches could bring in guys right away. Um, I just felt like, okay, there's a coaching staff here in the College of Charleston that I knew. And I made the change, finished up at the College of Charleston. Um, but, you know, just when it comes down to just playing time and did you play a lot or that kind of thing, man, fight. For fight. Sure. Jump yeah. that hurdle. Jump that hurdle. That's clear right. that hurdle and win that battle. Make it gold. Make it's a story for you. It's a story you can tell another kid one day. That that uh, you know, it, it was slow going in the beginning, but hey, I I I got over it. In today's timeout message, we got Cedric Weber. When these things happen throughout your lives, you know, and if kids or parents or coaches are, you know, looking at this. Don't ever shy away from uh, tests and trials. Um, we don't, we, you know, of course, I, I didn't see that back then. 
But as an adult now, though that that was nothing but a test and a trial for me. For sure. Um, because I could have shied away from it and my life could have been totally different. Um, and it's a lesson in confidence. You're confident in your ability, you're confident in yourself, and you are confident in being able to manage, as we say, life right now, but back then, just just manage yourself and be disciplined. Anything can happen. Mm. Now let's get back to the interview. And, and coach, I didn't really, and a lot of people probably don't know that history about you being from not South Carolina, moving here in the eighth grade and when going to Tennessee. See, those are things that creates a good story and it create understanding for why you're so effective at what you do right, right now. You know what I mean? Those, those stories and, and those life lessons, they apply to right now. Talk about when you got to the College of Charleston and most people that I talk to, I mean, we're talking to a lot of South Carolina players, but, you know, 40, 50% you know, our kids from the College of Charleston. Getting the Coach Crest system, um, I don't know if you had to be places at 7-12, 7-17. What were some of the things that you learned, um, you know, just being under his tutelage? And, and mind you, you had to work for everything. He's not going to give you anything. Um, and, and I tell you all the time, coming from Burke High School where there was a lot of talent and a lot of energy, um, we had low structure, but it wasn't a collegiate structure where you got to make a decision and, and you got to be thinking all the time in addition to playing. How challenging, challenging was that for you and, and what's something that you learned? Well, I, I tell you, Jamel, you, you, you know just like I do because uh, and I'm, I, I remember seeing you in high school and you made that jump, got over to uh, Coach Crest at the College of Charleston and you were really, really good. And I know the things that you had to go through, the things – that that system teaches you is detail. Yes, sir. And if you're not ready to accept that kind of detail, your process of learning or being on that floor for a long time is going to take a longer time. Yes, sir. Um, you know, I went from a system of schemes where there may have been four, five different sets and set plays. And then with Coach Chris, who I have to say is the best teacher of this game that I've ever had. Exactly. This man had uh, this man. I mean, if you counted them all, it, it might have been anywhere from fifteen to twenty man-to-man plays, and 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 maybe fifteen zone plays. For sure. And they don't necessarily look the same, and his expectation level of detail and execution was super high. Yes, sir. And if you didn't adjust to that, it would take you a long time in that system. Um, you know, right now in high school, most teams, maybe two or three plays that they right. get that. You get to that next level, uh, coaches are, they're expecting a lot of you. And they're expecting you to, to, to execute what they're telling you to execute in a per practice, on a per practice basis. Yes, sir. Not you know, I'm a gamer. No, they want to see what you're going to do in the game in practice first. Right. So that to me was the biggest adjustment from high school to college. Um, you know, you could get lost in the shuffle in college if uh, if your mind doesn't open up and accept, you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. amount of detail that uh, coaches in college expect. 
And so, you know, coming into, into college, we all have this certain player where and, – and Coach Chris, he made the staff fight against each other. I mean, he make, he, 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 he ran every little thing out of you. And, of course, Shane and I, you know, Shane and I are good friends, but we hated each other in college. I was seeing walking down George Street. I would cross the street because in video, I knew this one possession can determine your playing time. Absolutely. And if Shane and I are good friends, bro, I don't want to take your head off to get this ball because I got to be on the floor the next game, and that's what I got to do to be on the floor. So I didn't want to be friends with you. Who were your – your biggest battles and, and people that you, you went hard against. Tell us, you know, one or two of those stories, if you like. Oh, wow. Um, had a couple of them. And, and, and you know, we were, we were good friends. Um, but at my position, there was a, a gentleman named Ed Bigelow and a fellow named Mike Bosch. And we always just went at it because we were at the same position. And you just couldn't take it easy on them and, and, and that's something you had to understand you you go at each other physically mentally whatever you have to do because that determined how much you play yes sir uh and then you gotta learn how to go to the dining hall with them after practice yes sir um yes, sir. and and uh i can say i can honestly say it was never ever a personal thing never but it was real right and Every day there was a battle. But the fun thing for me is, you know, while those two guys were really the centerpiece of what I went after, they were both older than I was when I got to the college, I just flat out enjoyed going after everybody. Even like, like you would be, like you're, you're an excellent shooter two guard, and I'm not. I'm a bigger dude. And I would find a way to try to go after you too, just because, just because of the competition, and because sure. I wanted to be able to say something about it later. And you just made me better, for sure, because you're quicker, better shooter. But I got to find a way to get in your way, for sure. That's that's the atmosphere that uh, that Coach Chris brought, um, allowed us to have on the basketball floor. Um, when, when, whenever there was a chance to, to have a competition with somebody and to go after somebody, it was promoted. So right. practices, practices were harder than the games sometimes, you know, definitely, definitely. Um, but, it, but it prepared, but it prepared you for the games, you know, and, and his detail where we knew everything, every player wanted to do to stop. And matter of fact, I think he over-exaggerated some players and teams just to get us prepared, you know, cause you see him on video, all he showed was the dunks and all of a sudden you get in the game, you're like, hold up. This, this ain't the same guy here, but he, <laughs> but he got us so hyped up for the game that way we can always be prepared. Oh, it, it was uh, it's, it's funny how he would do that. We would scout, get, get a scout report, and he would tell us what they're going to do to us if mm -hmm. we're not on top of things. And, you know, we were prepared as a team every single day. I mean, we, sometimes I think in our scout practices, we might have run the plays a little bit better than the, the, the team that runs it. I agree. I agree. Um, and, you know, he was big on preparation, big on detail. But uh, it, there was a little needling that he would do about how great somebody was when they came into our gym. And we wanted to make sure that, okay, you know what, maybe he's not so great. We will show it tonight. Exactly. And sometimes it did end up that it felt a little bit easier than, than what we thought it was going to be. And by no means am I, am I saying there's an easy team out there. For it's sure. not. For sure. For it's sure. just that we were prepared. 
for sure. And, you know, I also saw that you – were you on a national championship team? No, I came two years after Big Greg Mack and uh, T.C. Sabs and those guys. Okay, all right. So that was so, two years after that. Okay, so talking, you know, senior year and um, you, you're playing the college, were you ever thinking about playing the next level? Did I ever come into play? And I did. Okay, tell us about that. It did. Uh, scary time, obviously. Uh, after I graduated, uh, I ended up, through the help of one of the assistant coaches, um, with a contract to go to uh, Luxembourg, Germany and play. And the contract really wasn't that great. Mm -hmm. I had a really good friend that you probably know, Big James Scott. Yeah, yeah. Played at Burke. And he came over to my house. The contract was on my table. I was getting ready to make a decision whether or not to start my job in Colombia. I had a job in Colombia at the time or to go overseas. And he came back, knocked on the front door, and he and I were friends. And he had just gone through a surgery mm. on his knee. And it didn't, you know, where he was, they, they kind of didn't take care of a whole lot of things for him. Mm. And that kind of helped me make my decision that, wow. you know, maybe maybe I'm going to go ahead on and, 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 and stay in the States and start my career right there. Wow. Uh, I, I honestly do think I might have missed an opportunity. I often think about that. Mm, of course, but uh, I don't. Re I don't necessarily regret it, but I think uh, having that experience would have been really something special for me. But uh, but I don't regret it. I'm. I'm uh, I, I took the job in Columbia and made my way here at Porter Yard, and 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 I'm a happy person. What what job was it? A coaching job in Columbia you took? No, no. This was a job with the state. I was working at the Department of Social Services for several years before I took the job at Porter Yard School. Well, how, how did the Portugal job open up at, and you got it, was able to get that? Interesting story. Um, and maybe not that interesting, but I was, when, I was at the, uh, when I was at the College of Charleston for my final three years, uh, my good friend, uh, Randy Clark, the, the guy I look up to every day, um, was also the principal at Portugal School, and he was an assistant coach at the College of Charleston. I took the job in Columbia. My Columbia job moved me back the year of Hurricane Hugo. And after that first year, Coach Clark offered me the job at Porter Gow to help him coach. He was the head coach. I was an assistant. And our relationship at the time was literally player-coach. I had no idea he thought of me in this way. And I took the job, and to me, he was still my coach at the College of Charleston. And, you know, our friendship and relationship just grew into best friends. And uh, and this guy is one of the one of the my, one of the mentors I, I will never ever ever forget. Sure. Taught me a whole lot about X's and O's and people and how to coach these young kids. Um, he, he passed away about seven years ago. Right. You know, we miss him every single day, but that's how I became a coach at Porter Gowd. He and I were coaching together. He did some things that our league had never seen before. They, they, they won three in a, 
three in a row. I won three in a row with him as an assistant coach, three state championships in a row that had never been done before at the wow. time. And, uh, and just to follow in his footsteps and, and, and carry on his legacy and his tradition in the way that he did it. Um, you know, he had this way of making everybody around him feel like he was their best friend. Mm. It, was, it was sort of different, man. It was very special. Um, but after several years, he stepped away and I was able to become the head coach of Portugal. I always kept him close. Uh, he passed really surprisingly and tragically, wow. lit- literally over over a weekend. Uh, I can remember just joking with him on a on a Friday, and uh, and that Sunday I was told to come to the hospital if I wanted to see him alive. Wow! And, you know, it was it was rough, but but he, you know, he paved a, a path for me to uh, to have success here at Portugal and and, and Portugal. You know, they still let me hang around. So, <laughs> well, I don't know. Is this on the low? You got six. You got six championships, JP. We we have we have six. Jesus. Uh, we won three in a row a couple of years ago with some really good players. Right. I, I also had a stint coaching three years as a JV head coach and a varsity girls head coach and assistant coach to Coach Clark. For three for three years, and we won a state championship with the girls in one of those years. So you got six boys, one girls championship. Six boys, one girls. Awesome. Uh, lucky. The reason we are so interested in the athletes' development and the expectations are there's no entitlement. Uh, my family is very old school, where you're not entitled to get anything. Anything you get has to be earned. And Cooper has earned everything he has gotten through Jermel. Jermel has taught him leadership. He's taught him incredible work ethic. Um, And along with it, the fundamentals. And Cooper has that work ethic to where he practices seven days a week. It's that important to him. Raising a student athlete is just as important as being one. That's awesome. And there's no such thing as luck, big guys. It's hard work, you feel me? But, um, you know, now you're, you're at the helm, you're, you're doing your thing. The question is, from the, from the coaches, you know, Tennessee State, from the coaches at College of Charleston, and the, and the things you've learned, how do you apply those things into your everyday life, into your coaching now? Because check us out. One state championship with girls, six with the boys, and you got potentially three players that can play in the NBA, which is Sahia, um, uh, Aaron, and um, Chris, right? So, you know, talk about that because as a coach, all high school coaches want to be, I can't say responsible, that's not the word, but want to be an influence in, 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 in getting kids' life. And, and, yeah, living vicariously through my players that these are the things that I didn't do. These are things, these are things that you should do to get to the next level. So talk about, the, talk about those things, those characteristics, those things you implement in order to have a successful year, but not only that, have successful, you know, uh, players that play for you. Well, I tell you, it's, 
you know, coming the route that I've come through with, with Coach Cress being an unbelievable teacher of the sport and then being tutored by Coach Clark, who also is a unbelievable teacher of the sport, but he had elements of, of learning people and their thresholds. I can remember as a young assistant coach, I wanted these kids to do this and this and this and this. And he had to tell me that that's not necessarily what I need to do at the high school level, that not every kid has the same goal I have. Mm. So it's a process of learning, not thinking that, you know, you know everything. I I learned from those two coaches. I learned from Bobby Crimmins. I learned from whatever coach that will talk to me about however, how they teach, how they uh, show their uh, kids how to play. Barkley Radaball is mm. unreal up there at at starting a culture of mm. basketball. Um, Coach Grant over here at the College of Charleston is unbelievable with how he treats his players and his expectations of them. Um, you learn from all of that, and then you try to mix it up all in the same batch and give that, sprinkle it to your kids. And, uh, and, and you also have to have high expectation of these young men so they can understand what it will take to get to that next level. One of the biggest things I think that I learned is learning how to like the, the mistakes that they make on the floor. That's crucial, JP. That's and crucial. If, you, if you're out there and you see a mistake and you pounce on it and suppress it and tell them never, ever, ever let me see you do that again in, in whatever words you use, you might be restricting somebody. Mm. And if you if you're not allowing experimentation, mm. then you don't get to Chris Middleton's. Mm. If you're not allowing experimentation, you don't get the uh, Travis Smiths and the mm. and the Josiah James, Aaron Lee Smith, the Jake Lanfords, the Bishop Ravenels. Those guys learned from making mistakes. Mm. Then you show them how this mistake will not work for them. Mm. Keep making that mistake. You may not reach the level you want to make. So I learned that just by listening to to a lot of coaches that have gone through it and then just trying to mix it up all in the same badge, sprinkle it on these kids, and uh, and then they just start developing. Well, the thing is, you may you say something crucial about <clears throat> you as a player, what you're looking for, the reason why you transferred, because you wanted someone there that could give you that comfort. We all, as players – we want coaches we can talk to and give us comfort. I'll, I'll run through this wall for you if I know you believe in me. Absolutely. We respect each other, right? So that goes to the same approach you're doing with your players right right now, per se. You know, taking that patience, taking that time and talking to you. Now, now when I'm coaching, I line my players up in front of everybody and say, look, Josh, you're a great rebounder. You're horrible on defense. Hey, Jacob, you're a great shooter. You're a horrible ball handler. And that way, if I tell them all the goods and bads in front of everybody, when I call you out, we all understand what we're doing. And as a coach, I'm not putting you in a position where I know you can't be successful. That's another thing, too. So I really think that's a great, great move where you just said about liking the mistakes. 
know what I'm saying? Because most coaches be like, that one mistake cannot turn a game. I mean, depending on what the time is of the game, it could turn a game. But it was plenty of mistakes prior to that that caused that being the situation. So that's, that's crucial that you say that liking the mistakes, and that's coaching, that's patience, and that's bringing to play to the side. Say, look, the thing you did, that wasn't the right play to move. That wasn't the right thing to do versus pouncing right. in the game. It's hard to respond to that. That's right. We uh, we we do that here at Portugal. We point out the good. We point out the bad. We are not afraid of the bad. I preach that. I tell them, I'm going to tell you when you make a mistake, you're going to be okay with it because how do you get better if you don't know what you're doing wrong? Right. And so we, we put that out there in front of everybody. If, you know, there's a culture here. You're not getting chastised by your teammate who also makes mistakes, you're getting uplifted by your teammate, you're getting helped by your teammates. Um, you know, we implement this philosophy. Um, starts at the JV program. Really, we have a middle school program that's taken it on too because they've heard of it. We call it a, the junkyard dog philosophy. Right. And basically it's this. It's just like a junkyard dog. You may not be a thoroughbred. You may not be the greatest basketball player. You may not be the greatest shooter, ball handler, or whatever. But we can show you something that you can help us win a game. Mm. And it may not even be that good either. Mm. But if you do whatever you can control, I would never ask a 5'11 guy to lead my team in rebounding. Mm. That's not fair. Mm. I will ask the 5'11 guy and not turn that ball over to the other team. For sure. I will never ask a big guy, you gotta, you gotta bring the ball up under pressure. I will ask the big guy, okay, if you're gonna be this big, let's grab all of the rebounds you get. Things that you can control don't have excuses why you can't do it. Mm. Just go at it and do it. Mm. You actually start a winning culture in a winning format when everybody buys into that. Mm. And if a team walks in full of thoroughbreds, we may lose. Okay. But if you do the things within your control, that thoroughbred knows he was in a fight today. For sure. For sure. I can, I can sleep good at night. For with sure. that. And, and, and to my point, I think me personally, understanding the game of basketball, Gauging your difficult your, your your degree of difficulty of moving forward, I think you got the easiest easiest job in America as a high school coach because there's no there's no family there's no player can come and say I can't listen to this guy. There's no who can say that what he's telling me won't work. No one could ever say that. So, right, exactly. Right. So so the the point is so you should you should have no problems with parents, right? Anyway, so the <laughs> point is <laughs> so with. The diversity, equity, and inclusion position you hold at Portugal, in addition to your coaching, you got some players out there, some other uh, other um, uh, boroughs, other high schools that may be interested in transferring or interested in coming to Portugal, but don't have the means monetarily. What are some avenues? What are some things that can happen that can make those things happen if that kid is academically sound? and athletically sound and that can fit a good mold for your, for your program. Because ultimately, no matter if you have all those things, the ultimate, ultimate decision got to be based on if the position works for this kid, if, if, is it, if a spot's available, and can it be effective for both of us. But if a kid have, have an opportunity and fits those, those, uh, those molds, how can they go about 
being playing for Portugal. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, our door is wide open, but there are uh, there are qualifying factors that a kid has to have here, and and the biggest one is an academic record. Um, they're they're going to ask that the your your academic record is going to be pretty pretty strong. Um, a lot of times, that's a large hurdle for some kids that want to be here. But our um, well, let me let me stop you right let me stop you right there, coach. And it's a large hurdle, but check this out. If you're interested in going to Portugal, you're only interested in going to Portugal. Let's be real, because this school produced players to to colleges in the professional era. So if you ain't got no grades, that's a no brainer. Don't even think about it. So it's not a hurdle. It's something that you have to do. I'm just right. talking to the I'm just I'm just talking to the athletes per se, not the not the students. I got you. I, so got you. I just want to make that make that clear. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Um, as far as basketball is concerned, uh, to, to be a basketball player at Portugal, you don't have to be this special athlete. We coach you and we, we, we will do whatever we can to develop you. We will try to get you to realize your dreams. We can't make that stuff happen all the time, but if you want to play next level, then we're going to do it in a, at a next level pace. Mm. Uh, so we've had some really, we had some thoroughbreds that came through here. That is not normal. What is normal is kids that want to be here who are willing to put in the work and the time, accept the coaching, and they will get better. That's really all we require. For sure. Uh, For sure. A lot of places require you to be like, you know, really accomplished. That's not us. For sure. We, you know, as far as requirements for an athlete, a basketball player here, you have to be willing to be coached and, you know, be pointed in certain directions, buy into it, go at it, and you will watch yourself get better and better and better. You, you can go through the frustration part. You know, a lot of kids don't like to hear, you know what, you – Want to you hang out at the three point line, but you're not that good a shooter. But you do this really, really good. Sometimes kids don't want to hear that. Um, and 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 keep in mind in the NBA, there's a whole lot of dudes that can't shoot threes that good, but they can play the game. Sure. Um, so you know that's the kind of coaching we give. Sometimes we're, we'll you know, kid can shoot it very very well, but then who can they guard? Maybe they don't guard the ball very well. Well, you gotta you gotta get to work before I let you walk into a game and stand behind the line and just shoot them. You gotta give me something on this end of the ball too. That makes them a better basketball player. Sure. Uh, and it doesn't mean NBA. It doesn't even mean college. It means you see yourself getting better. You feel good about it, and hopefully, we get to win a lot of games. In today's timeout message, we got B.J. Mackey. What you got to understand and young guys got to understand at the high school level and, and at the middle school level, that's your fun. That's fun. That's your fun. Right. When you start going to college, that politics and the business aspect, that, that, that comes into play. Right. And then when you go to the professional level, 
and you're talking about overseas or NBA because you're still talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right, right. <clears throat> ain't no friends. It's all no, business. it's all business. It's all business. Now let's get back to the interview. You know, and do this for so long, JP, you, I'm pretty sure, have relationships. Not only talk to, have great relationships with college recruiters and some of the big name college coaches because they wanted the players. Give me three things that when you're on the phone talking to this coach, he's like, hey, can, Jos- can Josiah do this? Hey, can Aaron do this? Hey, can, well, does he do this? Well, well, can he do this? What are the three things and not, let's take away the six, seven, six, eight statue, right? Because that's, I mean, that you, you can't teach that. You can't, that's something that God given. What are some of the, some things that they asked that had nothing to do with the talent base that's, that's, that's local, not local, but student athletes need to be aware of? Right. Uh, I'll try to see if I put them in order. Um, I'm going to go ahead and mention the academic portion because that's important. They all ask about that, but then I'm just going to tell you three things as far as athletically that they need. Um, number one, are you tough? Mm. Tough-minded, mm. tough physically. Can you take coaching? That is huge. These, these college coaches, kids need to understand. You play in high school, and let's just say a coach is having a really, really tough time, they might lose a job. It's a stipend. You go to college, coaches lose a, lose a livelihood. Mm. They need to know if they mm. can push you in certain directions and make it work. Mm. Second thing, as far as, uh, you know, uh, athletic-wise, what a coach would ask me about is, can they guard their own position? Mm. It's, it's unbelievable how mm. shooting is so important in this sport. It is unbelievably important in this sport. And it's a gift, and you know it because you're one of them guys that can pull up and knock that thing down. They want to know what else you can offer. Mm. Can you guard the position that you play? And that (laughs) connects with being tough. For sure. With being tough-minded, that connects with being physically tough. And if I were to say the third one, you know, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of person are you? Do, do I even want you around my program? You will bring my program down with some bad activity after you leave practice and go out at night. You know, they want to know if they have a person that they can build a culture around. For sure. For sure. And, and those are, are three major things. Um, you know, talk about, you know, the, the, the mental aspect, you know what I mean? Because, People think, like, you know, Aaron got hurt. Um, you know, I know these players who reach back and they talk to you about that. And I just, I just talked to Shufo about his son, Nick, playing, in the, you know, at the next level, Major League Baseball, and all these different things that goes on every day, right? They call their supporters and they talk to them. We have to be confident about what, what we're hearing and, and, and give them confident feedback. But at the same time, we know that, man, that he's in a bad place. How do you deal with some of the, 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 the instances with your players and, 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 and when they have bad games or, or, or hurt? What do, you, what do you tell them? How, how do you deal with that? 
Nah, well, um, it depends on what the injury is. You know, if it's one of those things they can get over quickly, it'd be a quick phone call, you know, do your treatment, do your thing. Um, anything else, and, and we've had instances of that, um, man, we, whatever it is, we come into the rescue with whatever we can do for him. Um, Aaron, you know, I, I don't know if everybody knows, did, had, a, had a foot uh, injury in during his season. And he was devastated. Right, right. He felt like he could play through it. Uh, they didn't want to ruin his future with playing through it, possibly it getting worse. And they had to sit him down. Right. And, uh, and I, if if you know Aaron, that was not a good conversation. For sure, for sure. And, you know, I talked to him all the time uh, just to know where his head is and know how he's feeling. Even though I kind of knew he may have calmed down, but he – was probably very unsettled about this whole thing. And uh, just, you know, I would give them the advice of patience mm. because they don't have a choice in being humble because they're going to have to depend on other people to help them with this thing. But I'll be right there starting over with them the entire time. For sure. For sure. I mean, it, like, and, you know, Aaron, with this pandemic, he's back here in town. Um, my uh, assistant, Travis Smith, Coach Smith, he is the the workout fellow for Aaron, sure. and I'll come to the gym too, and I'll you know walk around the gym and get my steps. I'm I'm just gonna be with him, right, and, right, and, and he knows that for sure. Uh, you know, Chris Middleton, um, I want to say it was two years ago, hurt his hamstring. Basically, he was out the entire season. It was a rough injury, and lots of phone calls. Coach Smith took off from Charleston, went to Milwaukee, stayed with him a whole month, took Chris everywhere, all the appointments everywhere. You know, my phone calls back and forth, we gonna stay with him. It, sure. it doesn't make it, it doesn't make a difference. You know, we know who they are. Sure. We know how upset they were when this happened, and we'll start over with them. That's awesome. That's it, awesome. It, it, does, it doesn't matter. And and I, I love that about Porter God, I even love it about our, our summer program with TMP. Those guys come back. They, they they come back over summer to help the next crew. And we'll do the same for them. If they go through something, we're going to be right there with them. That's awesome. That support system is, is awesome. Um, <clears throat> so in, in the, getting close to our end of our interview, Coach, as a student athlete, what are some characteristics that you see that's, that's – that's not here locally in Charleston. I, I talked to Coach Grant about it, and I asked him, you know, asked the same question. He's like, he don't see the, he don't feel the energy. He don't feel the love. I talked to Marvin Orange, you know, B.J. Mackey, all these players, and we, all of them say the same thing. Man, we drove, we got up, you know, five, six of us in the car, and we, we, we ride and we play, we play all day, and we get better. You know, and that's what we did when we, when we were younger. What are some character? What's the things you see that's not here locally? Because you play all you play all the talent here. What do you see that that's just not there? Why are we Why are we not producing kids to where we used to produce? Yeah, I think I think it is. I completely understand the question. I think it is getting a little bit better, but generally there is a real comfort level with with kids trying to be on teams with coaches that might be friends. 
Um, there's a whole lot of different uh, summer teams that are out there instead of just real competitive teams uh, here and there. Um, and they're looking for the, the ego stroke a little more instead of looking for somebody to tell them this, this isn't good. And, and, and you need and, to do this. You need to do this differently. You need to do it better. They, they want, and, and, and it's a flaw that they can overcome, but it's more. Okay. When I was in high school, JP, I need you to, I need you to be totally candid, JP. Sound like you jumping <laughs> over. Just be totally candid. Cause the problem is you got these mom and pops building teams. So they, they son can play. You know right. what I mean? They're, right. not, they're not learning anything. What you're saying, instead of saying they're friends, it's their dads that put putting these well, together. That's true. It's, it's dads and it can be even friends. But sure. what, what, I, what I wanted to uh, draw a comparison to is this, is this is what I don't see. I had a Toyota Corolla. We couldn't fit in that car, but we fit in that car. <laughs> we drove. I, I lived in, in, in a place called Elgin. I, I drove to Columbia, Eau Claire, 20-something miles away. We went to the park. There would be 10 guys playing and and 20 guys waiting. For sure. And there was no adult saying, okay, it's your turn. Right. You had to get out there. Then when we played, we fought to stay on the court instead of, okay, it's my turn. Right. And and, and I think that's what that's what's that what that's kind of what goes on now where People are trying to make it even, Steven. Right. Instead of go out there and do what you have to do to win a game. For sure. And keep, and keep the court. And then the next thing comes on and you do the same thing. That's not existing that much around. That's life, though, JP. That is life. That's you like get- anything else. And I tell a story all the time. You know, when in Coach Crest, when we ran our plays, you ran Jackson right, Jacksonville, all these plays. Coach Crest never ran a play for me. And kind of find out when I talk to him, he's like, Jermaine, I, I have to worry about you. I knew, I knew you were going to get yours, right? And that's in life the same way. I never cried about it. I figured out a way. I figured out a system. I knew he was defensively minded. I wasn't the best point guard. So I got I to gotta be the best defender just to be on the floor. And I figured it out. You, you got to figure Yeah. You got to figure it out. It's not easy. It's tough. And don't look for somebody to make the way for you. Mm-mm. Go in there and make your own way. Sometimes you might land on your head, and it doesn't feel good that night. Right. You might lose sleep about how you played that night. Come back out there the next day, not looking for somebody to move someone aside and fit you in. Put yourself in. Fit. Right. Overcome whatever it is in front of you. And if you don't, you know you gave it a good shot. Right. You know somebody felt it. Right. Along with you, sometimes there's there's just a guy that's better, right? Well, then make him better. Make him feel you. You just made yourself better like that. That that sometimes doesn't doesn't exist now. You're right. And and what I love about you, JP, when you know when I coached a couple of years, you know, under you, like I never heard you raise your raise your voice. I never heard you yell at a player. You know what I mean? It's the same approach to where. You know what Coach Crest did, like he he would yell at something, but it's like either you're gonna do it or you're not. Guess what? If you don't do it, I get somebody else to do it. And if they don't do it, I get somebody else to do it. Like, that's just what it is. And that's that's the that's the life of sports when you're coaching. 
and it's familiar familiar to to to, to life and business. You know, right? I uh, that that is one thing I'm I'm never going to embarrass somebody into doing what I think they should do. I can get intense with with how I might bring a message to a kid, but I am absolutely aware of, you know, if I'm pushing a kid to embarrassment, then, you know, I got to reevaluate the way I'm doing things. For sure. But I can push a kid and I can give them a look and I can get stern and strong with how I'm saying it to where they understand right. that I'm not trying to embarrass them. I want them to help us win a game and I want them to develop. And that basically, that, that distinction is a player understanding that you trust them, they trust you, and it's a relationship. So it's received differently. If you don't have a relationship with that player, then it's, it's not going to be received the way it needs to be received. He made a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s. And now, Jermell President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life. So I want to, you know, give some of that back to the community as well. Um, after college and after playing professionally, uh, I started the Day Foundation just to, to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and, and parents as well. College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for this while he was in school. So he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation. And its philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe. Let's go and finish together. Basically teaches the game of basketball focusing on skills, development, nutrition, and education. Not only SAT, ACT type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics. And our last topic, Coach, is oatmeal recipe. Um, oatmeal recipe, Day Foundation Design, is uh, skill development, education, and nutrition. And um, the great Rick Barry has, has endorsed that, that, that concept. So in closing, talk about those three things and how important it is to your everyday life. We talk about skill development, and no matter what sport you play, and it can go across even to life. How important is skill development? How, how do you divide, uh, apply it to your everyday life? Huge. Uh, the biggest thing we do over here. And, and just like I said earlier, you don't have to be some accomplished basketball player to come to Porter Gallup and have a good career. But if you come to Porter Gallup and you make the JV or the varsity, you are part of a program, part of a culture that not expectations of how you participate are going to rise. For sure. That skill development, you got to show up. Um, now, we don't have mandatory things all summer long, but I do like to see my players throughout sure. the summer work on their strengths and their weaknesses and be able to integrate it into five on five basketball and then have a good career. That is huge. Skill development is 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 the second biggest thing in our program. The first, the largest thing is culture. Right. And uh learn that from from the great Randy Clark and uh and one of the guys I think that just does it really well is uh Coach Ray Ball up there at uh Charleston Southern. For sure. Those guys wanna be there. Um, Coach Martin is another one. Those dudes love being around him. And sometimes he looks like he's rough. Those kids love him. For sure. Um, I want kids 
to not run away from the gym, but to run toward it. Mm. And uh, and right now I'm having a great time because I got to tell kids to go home. <laughs> They're in <laughs> and here. And the, thing, and the thing is mandatory. You know, when we talk about mandatory as coaches, mandatory for me means you not expected to be there, but I expect you to be there. That's a mandatory because guess what? Yeah, you don't – it's not – you don't have to be there, but if you're not there, you're not committed. Because what else are you doing besides this? Either you're going to either going to study, you know, going to hang out, whatever you're doing, you're not in the gym. Because then the fruits comes from, you know, the game time come from the summer the summertime workout. So right. if it's not right. mandatory, and you don't, if I don't see you in that gym, I know you're not you're not preparing. Because the people that's that wants to be better, they're in the gym. They're yeah. sacrificing the time that they're not spent in the gym to get better. You can't, you can't help but get better by come, if you come in there and you work on yourself. If you say you want to play basketball, but you're just going all summer long, not not coming in at all. You know, I those are those are the things Coach Clark taught me. Not every kid's gonna do this thing the way I want to see it done. But we have an unbelievable culture at this place where these kids are. I mean, they call traps. They call me. When's the gym gonna be open? Let's get back in the gym. Blah blah. All that stuff means you're going to have some success at some level for sure. with, with these fellas. For sure. And that's what Earl Grant said. He said, can I depend on you? He said, when I look down the line to look at players, I don't look at the most talented. I look at the one who I can depend on most. That's right. And, and the second one, Coach, is education. How important is education when it comes to, as the same thing, all, all across sports and in life? And I say this all the time about the 20 points a game theory. If I had the education on how to score 20 points a game, I could extend my career even more. And what I mean by that is that when you ask a player how to score 20 points a game, they say, well, coach, I'll shoot the ball. They'll do all these things. But I said, what if you get denied the ball? And my thing how to score 20 points a game is if you score two layups per quarter, that's 16 points. Now you're four points from 20. Now I want to go, when it gets 17 fouls and 10 team fouls, I'm going to drive and get to the line. I score my four points from the free throw line. But what that does is, as a layups, I'm, I'm playing the passing lane, so I'm playing defense. I got high percentage shots, and I'm in tune with the game, right? And I think that that aspect will, will allows you to be an all-around scorer, just having the education of that, that, that concept of the game. That, that is uh, – you basically described IQ. Um, the, the education behind the sport is – we teach as much of it as we can. Some people are just born with a natural ability of IQ on a per play basis. But what I think you're heading toward is education of how to be productive yes. on the court. Yeah. And, you know, you, you know, for instance, like, like you could, Jamel, I remember seeing you could just naturally score. Well, what I would do with you is, Okay, I got this guy that can flat out score, and I already know the next three teams that we play that are really good are going to do everything they can to keep you from scoring that many points. They can't, but they're going to do things to you. Well, I'm not going to leave you out there. I'm going to give you some things about this game as far as pace, separation, and all that good stuff so that you can continue to be dangerous. But what's more important is I got to do that with you with the other four. Mm. Mm. They need to understand that, okay, 
Jamel is being heavily guarded, denied everywhere he goes. Does not mean the next four have to take turns shooting. Right. It means the next four still have to take their opportunity. <laughs> but how can they get their teammate involved in this game? Mm. And that could mean a screen. That could mean a ball fake so you can go back. Yo, whatever the case may be, teaching these guys IQ actually is very fun for me. It can only go so far. And it means you have to be able to be coached. Yes, it is. But to teach a kid who is challenged at scoring, basically a kid that can't score very well, mm-hmm. to produce, to feel good about setting a pick for you, mm. to feel good about, okay, you, you took a shot, heavily guarded, I'm gonna go get this rebound and give him another chance, mm. or give him another team. When, when you can get kids to understand mm. how valuable that is, mm that you got a good team. You got a really good team. But that's relationship building. That's, it, that's, it is. that's getting the kids to buy into, into the system. And that comes from the coach. Like, because if I'm, I'm, I'm walking with Chris, I'm going to class with Chris, I'm doing one thing with Chris, you know, from, uh, fame leaves with familiarity over a period of time. So, they're not looking at Chris the same way and leading score the same way. They're more concerned about what the coach feel of us as a whole. That's what our buy-in comes, comes in from. For that kid to, like you say, miss a shot and be sacrificing that to go get a rebound so they give Chris another shot, that's a buy-in that comes from the coach. That's a, buy-in. That's a big buy-in. And, you know and, I mean? and as a coach, you got to praise that. For sure. You, you can't sure. pretend like you don't see that. You got to praise that. You got to say that's a reason why. Like last year, uh, Last year's a perfect year for that. I've, I've got a very good player um, in, in Mason Grant. And uh, I had these three little dudes, really four. And two of them were twins. And they averaged, I'm, I'm trying to get this thing right. They averaged about 13 points a game together. Mm. Seven and six, I believe it was. That's what it was, seven and six. But I could not take them off the floor. Mm. And they were tiny. Mm. And the reason why is because they were monsters on defense, rebounding, uh, uh, deflections, steals. And every now and then, one would score 16, other one three, other one 14, other one six. They bought in to every tiny little corner of basketball that there was and 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 the other one was Tobias Lafayette he was tiny too mm. there was certain way they had to play defensively because they were so small we had to extend it we had to trap we had to do things they bought into it in turn Mason Grant could not be uh denied the ball because of how dangerous those kids sure. made themselves and gave us extra chances and extra chances. And then Mason Grant's over there doing his work. For sure. Um, it was it was an absolutely fun team. I mean, it, you know, my tallest player was was Mason, who was 6'4", and the other guys were 5'11". Wow. And we won 21 games. Wow. It was wow. largely because they all bought in to how this thing is done, and they did it. And it was uh it was it was a fun year. I I honestly did not think we were going to win 21 games. 
Awesome. I, I really didn't think. I thought maybe I was going to be happy with 12 or 13. Gotcha. And, uh, and they just changed my mind. <clears throat> so lastly, uh, JP, the nutrition. And, and what I see all the time is, you know, go to these games, AU tournaments, you see kids with McDonald's bag, Coke, Skittles. I mean, it's, you know, they're really doing a detriment to their to body. Um, how important is nutrition and sleep when it comes to being a student athlete in, in performance? If if you're not if you if you're not finding out about that kind of stuff, you can't really perform at a peak level for a long period of time. Um, nutrition, unfortunately, when I was coming up in high school, was not a big for issue. Sure. For sure. And the, you know the science behind it makes sense. For sure. Um, these kids over here, they they pretty much they eat they eat well. Um, if you are not paying attention to what you're putting in your body then what do you expect your body to do for you if it's no good if it's no good your body can only go take go but so far so you know young kids out there you know pay attention to the the stuff that you're putting inside you 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 if you want peak level performance eat peak level food for sure for sure well JP that's you know that concludes the interview man I really really appreciate your time I think there's a lot of a lot of wealth a wealth of knowledge that you know families and kids can really you know can really hear and and get some information from. So I really appreciate your time and and coming out and doing this. I think this will be a, a a great information for the for the community to see. Well, Jamel, thank you for inviting me and and, uh, and I keep up with you and I I love the stuff that you're doing, man. This is this is uh this is informative. It's good for these kids to hear this kind of thing from old people like me and, and coaches from different sports. I think this is a good thing that you're doing. I appreciate you, JP. Appreciate you. Thank you. Well, I look forward to seeing you this year and we will uh, see what happens, big guy. Come on by. I will. I'll All see right. you soon. Take All right. easy. Thank you. So there it goes, guys. Another one in the books. That was uh, Coach JP talking about a lot of great things that you uh, – young athletes, coaches, and even the potential players that want to play at the next level. Um, that's thinking about Portugal. Um, we gave some extensive um, avenues to, to consider if you want to join join that team. I suggest you put your, your hard hat and, and your steel toe and, and make it happen. Coming up next, we got my good friend, said Weber, the only player that was MVP in two different conferences. Uh, we were roommates you know, from Columbia, South Carolina. Great guy, man. So um, uh, check it out. Be right back. What Jermel is doing with Today Foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes, first of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which, as you know as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to train properly to get the proper education and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college but i love what jermel is doing it's a wonderful program hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program because these are the kind of things that every community needs looking out for the best interest of a youth the future of this country is in our youth and everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful and and i can't express 
adequately enough. My admiration and respect for what Jermel is doing, and hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Let's see.